Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this podcast. Uh, we have done now 604 episodes as of today. 604 seems like a big number. Uh, I started this show six years ago because I just wanted access to really smart people who were doing cool things. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, you know that the show was called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do up until July of this year. Uh, we've taken a little pivot because we're focusing a little bit more on what executives have to do in companies of all sizes to really make some waves in their industry and, and get things going. And 2020 has been kind of a crazy year. If, you're, if you have a C-level job, if you're an executive who is making decisions, uh, your world has probably been turned upside down. If you make uh, sporting equipment or like inflatable kayaks, your business is probably backlogged. You can't even get those things for, for weeks, if not months. Uh, if you sell, uh, uh, you know, recreational vehicles, same thing. If you own a restaurant, you probably witnessed sort of some bad stuff happen. You, you probably have uh, no weight at your restaurant right now. So there's a lot of things going on, good, bad, and in the middle. And today I thought we would talk about money. Because if you run a business, money matters. I don't care what anybody says, access to capital, it's really, really important. Whether you're a solopreneur like I am, or whether you're running a multi-billion dollar business. Uh, how you get your money, the terms you get your money, where you get your money when you need it so that you can grow and expand or, or do whatever you have to do, that really does make a difference. But before we get started with today's episode, I have to thank one of our sponsors, so today's podcast is brought to you by Spectrum Reach. Now, at Spectrum Reach, they know three things better than anybody. They know how to harness the power of multi-screen advertising. They know how to offer a simplified one-stop shop destination for marketing solutions. And they know what our towns and cities are all about. They know how our, how our cities tick. They are the most trusted media partner in America, and I am pleased that they're a sponsor of Making Waves at Sea Level. Visit SpectrumReach.com to get started with them today. So speaking of today, today we have with us uh, Casey Conlon. And Casey, he works for a company called Dare Capital, which is fitting since we're going to talk about money, and that's what they do. They actually provide working capital to small and mid-sized businesses to help them cover whatever they need to do to be able to, to grow and survive. He's super active in the Austin, Texas business community, although he does business all over the country with companies everywhere. Uh, but I've met him through the Association for Corporate Growth and some other places where he is active. Uh, he also tells me he runs triathlete triathlons, so I hate him. Uh, I could never run a triathlon. I, I, I have done two half marathons, and we'll take that to the level of all I'm ever going to accomplish athletically. But this guy, he runs triathletes, triathlons. So, Casey, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate um, you having me on here. I know that you hate me now, but That's, I think we can still have a good conversation. There's a new moratorium after today. No more young, good, <laughs> no more young, good-looking, fit people on my show. That's it. We're 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 done. You're the last person who can be, you know, that that young and active. Boom. 
Uh, no, seriously though. Too funny. Seriously though, welcome to the show. Really appreciate uh, you, you. you coming on. So let's start with your background. Uh, you know, what did you do right out of school? How did you get into what you're doing? And then when did you join Dare Capital? Yeah, so right out of school, uh, you know, I graduated right in 2008 from college and I had a job in finance for financial planning and analysis with Cisco Systems out in the Bay Area. I finished college in Virginia, was lucky to have a job. So I took the offer, <laughs> the first one I got and I, I, I moved west, right? So, uh, so it's interesting. So di- it's interesting. One of this is about 2008, maybe a little bit earlier. One of my first paid speaking gigs I ever had as a professional speaker was speaking to several sales teams with Cisco Systems. So I I, I haven't done oh, anything really? for them in a long time. But but when you said Cisco, I sort of perked up like, oh, my gosh, they were like one of my first clients. <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, well, I wasn't on the sales team then. So uh, I don't know if I saw you uh, speak then. So, yeah, my first job out of school was, uh, you know, in corporate finance for them. Uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Texas is always home. So one of my goals after being out there for a couple of years was to come home to Texas. I got a law degree at St. Mary's in San Antonio. And then from there, I started working in in Austin. And, you know, when you have a law degree, the the natural transition is sales and marketing. (laughs) And got working (laughs) with a couple of startups. So so let's 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 put a pin right there. I want to go back to that. So you went to law school, obviously not so that you could be like an alternative lender. What why did you go to law school? I work a lot with attorneys, so this interests me. (laughs) So you know, I was in corporate finance working for a great company learned a lot, but I was a tiny cog in a huge, huge machine and wanted just to change and wanted to get home, you know, closer to the family, uh, kind of longer established roots back home in Texas. And so, uh, I had studied politics in college and a lot of greasing the path. And then I actually started a business outside right after law school, not a law practice using my law degree, um, and kind of jointly got into the sales world as a result. So when you first went to law school, did you think you might go to work for like a, a big law firm or, or what was the the motivation in there? Not necessarily a big firm. So my uh, sister-in-law, uh, I have two older brothers, my oldest brother's wife. I've known her probably since I was 13 years old. She's a litigator, a business attorney. And she said, Hey, if you're looking for something, this will kind of change the way you think and approach the business world. Even if you don't become an attorney or, you know, even if you don't practice law, you'll never regret kind of the education that you have in the foundation. So yeah. the, the, um, the, I took her advice. The reason I ask, and some of the people who listen know, I spent five years as the marketing director for Austin and Dallas for two big what's called AMLAW 100 firms. Uh, And I currently do a lot of training for lawyers on business development. So I didn't know that about you. So that's why I zeroed in on on the the legal (laughs) side because I do spend a lot of my uh, time uh, and I do some coaching for lawyers on on business development. So uh, that's why we went down that path. Got it. Well, apparently my sister-in-law is pretty good at business development and selling because she she sold me on law school (laughs) You know, some people would say you got to be a pretty good sales uh, woman to do that, uh, especially coming out of a, a finance job. Um, you know, fast forward several years, uh, you know, you were talking about entrepreneurs and what they do. 
uh, the last company I was with went through uh, a successful acquisition. I was looking to uh, jump to a smaller group that was looking to get going, and that was Dare Capital. Happy to be partnered with Cole Harmonson and Deborah Zuconic there. We actually launched at the start of the year. So 2020 and your intro has been very interesting to be a, a, a new company and uh, dealing with everything that 2020 throws at everyone. So interesting time to launch a company would be just before March of 2020, and especially in, in this lending space. So, so what does Dare do? What's your niche? Uh, so we are, we lend on everything accounts receivable. So that can be an asset baseline of credit. That can be a, a factoring relationship. And I can kind of go into those uh, at a little bit more detail. Um, our real niche is working with companies, typically 50 million and under in revenue. So kind of your large, small business, lower, lower end of the middle market. We have a special knowledge within the commercial construction industry. So subcontractors, electricians, plumbers, groups that don't, uh, you know, a lot of traditional lenders don't like for uh, a number of reasons, but there's a lot of risk. Uh, there's things called milestone or progress billing and accounting, you know, pay as you go on a project that are difficult. Uh, we have uh, kind of unparalleled expertise there. Uh, so that's where we like to help. And then, you know, outside of that, we're just looking for a good entrepreneur that is in high growth mode that just needs a financing partner to kind of take a little bit of a, a chance on them to get them where they're trying to go. So part of my career, I worked doing business development for Wells Fargo for their regional commercial banking organization. Mm-hmm. So their RCBO. So that's sort of a traditional bank lender. Uh, what you guys do, I would Correct. fall under sort of like uh, uh, non-traditional you know, bank lending. So let's talk a little bit about asset-based lending and factoring for people who don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And I think a good, you, you kind of, sh- you set it up well with the traditional bank and then where we are, because our, our companies are the non-bankable population. And, you know, what does that mean? And it's probably be more relevant for companies here, in, you know, late 2020 going into 2021. Um, but if you think about a bank's credit box, most banks are going to be looking at the past two to three years. You know, what's your performance been over the last couple of years? We want a strong track record to justify, uh, you know, a line of credit. A lot of the groups that we work with are less than, you know, two or three years old. So they're kind of in that startup. They don't have the history. Or as I mentioned, high growth where you're looking at, you know, uh, the past tells a different story. It can be high growth. Maybe you had recent losses. You're in turnaround mode, but you've righted the ship and now you're ready to take off. Um, we're looking more forward. Where are you today? More importantly, where are you trying to go? Um, and then from there, uh, we're, we're focused on your accounts receivable the asset that we typically lend off of amongst other uh, your customers' invoices. So who are you, who are your customers? Are they credit worthy? If you have strong customers, strong operator, you know, we're willing to take a take a take a chance on you compared to, hey, you've, you, you're down in 2020, but 2021, you're going to go to the moon. So, yeah, the, the banks, especially the, the larger banks, have some pretty strict rules around that, you know, type of stuff. They want everything to, to fit in a box that's this big Correct. and it's blue. And if you don't meet their that's criteria, right. they look at you like you're 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 just vanished into thin air in many cases. So, yep. A lot of businesses, though, even if they've been around for a while, don't really understand kind of alternative lending. So how do you 
let companies know, hey, this this is this is legit. It's been around a long time. I mean, uh, what do you do when you run across somebody who's like, I need to go to a bank and they won't talk to me. I don't know what else I can do, period. You know, great question. And, it, and you, you asked my background, right? I had I had worked for, uh, I think Cisco's still on the Dow. I, I clearly haven't stayed in touch over the past 10, 12 years, but you know, in a, a corporate finance job for for a large, you know, blue chip company, and I did not know uh, about the alternative, you know, specialty finance world until recently. But in, in your scenario there, um, you know, we're willing to have a conversation, and really, we probably would want to know, all right, what's the company do? What kind of assets do they have on their balance sheet uh, that they can leverage for some sort of working line of credit? As I mentioned, we were focused on your receivables or your invoices. Uh, there's groups here in Austin that only focus on your equipment. So, hey, I have all these trucks or you know, maybe I do packaging, uh, your inventory, uh, a purchase order, even, you know, uh, something that popped up really at the start of the pandemic was companies starting up trying to uh, deliver PPE, the personal protective equipment, masks or gowns. Um, I know a group in Dallas, they had done, oh, uh, you know, they would do like corporate t-shirts and kind of knickknacks, right? And, and they pivoted to, hey, we can print and make hospital gowns very quickly from our suppliers. Um, but they, they landed a big deal with, I think the Baylor, Baylor Scott and White, but it was like $7 million, right? And then this is bigger than what they've done all year. Uh, I got connected with them. We don't do PO financing, but they said, hey, you know, we don't know how to finance this. Can you help? We got them connected with the right people. But, uh, you know, there's firms out there that say, hey, you know, Baylor Scott and White is a great company. You're trying to get going. You can deliver this. Um, but again, it's just trying to take... Uh, an analysis of, of the assets that a business has, you know, real estate, obviously everyone knows, Hey, I've got real estate. I can probably go to the bank here, but you know, everything else that you have at your disposal, um, you know, is worth a conversation to see if you can get the cash that you need to help you out. And I would imagine like for a company that, that makes things like that, that PPE, the gowns and the goggles and things like that, you know, if they're not used to doing a giant order, a $7 million order all of a sudden in, in a pandemic where the, the client needs it fast, they need to buy Correct. supplies, they need to do things, they need to get that stuff made. Uh, that can be pretty yep. stressful for the owner of a company who doesn't know where to start. So what are you seeing out there when you talk to executives who are running businesses who are looking to the future, but are stuck in this crazy world we've been in for seven months? You know, so a lot of, um, and I, I, I've had a lot of questions uh, or a lot of conversations, kind of people seeing the same thing. A lot of business owners, there's just so much uncertainty right now, right? You've got the election that may shake things up. There's talks of different stimulus. You had the paycheck uh, protection program, PPP, not to be confused with PPE <laughs> that I just mentioned. Um, but, you know, our, Will I be able to get aid from the government? Why not? Um, we are seeing a lot of owners kind of take stock of what are their options. Um, and I think now if you're a business owner, um, you know, it's always good to have cash is, you know, cash is always king, right? How much cash do I have at my disposal? Um, and if I don't have what I need, I need to probably have those conversations with a banker, um, you know, someone like myself, if the banker says no, well, who else should I talk to? Right. I think one of the things, um, you know, if your banker doesn't 
offer a name, you know, hey, what other options do I have? Because if you have a good relationship, they can say, well, talk to so-and-so um, and you can at least have another conversation. Uh, never take that no and, you know, kind of go home, right? Um, but really just to be as, as fortified from a cash position as you can. So I know from having been in the banking industry and, and having known a lot of people who do a lot of different things around finance that your network is super important if you're doing something like the, the type of business you're doing because not every business needs you, but when they need their capital, they need their capital yesterday. So obviously right. yep. you you and your two you know other people you work with can't, they, they can't know everybody in the world, much less everybody in Texas or central Texas. Uh, so networking you know, super. I try as I might, but I still meet new people every week, which is great. <laughs> but but the network and that word of mouth is a huge thing for sort of anybody in any type of niche specialty business, regardless of, of what you guys Correct. do. But but in general, so you've been really active with a lot of groups and, and we met through the Association for Corporate Growth. And because you're not yep. tied to just Texas, one of the things you said that you've done during the pandemic is you've started, you've taken your local membership and you've started attending as many different events for ACG chapters all over North America as you can. Uh, how has that been beneficial and a good use of your time? Let's talk about networking for a minute for any company who's in a people business. Yeah, I mean, it still it still surprises me. You know, we're in month seven um, when people say they're they're not sure how to um, kind of handle the, the the climate right now. You know, I feel like now you've you you need to make the adjustment. And actually, uh, we're doing a, a webinar next month, part of our series for Dare Capital Dialogues with uh, two business uh, two business partners. They own a yoga studio that pivoted during the pandemic to keep the lights on and, and money, and for kind of a real world experience there or, or a real world story. But you know, to your point, um, a silver lining here. You know, since we launched at the start of the year, we were supposed to sponsor a couple conferences. Right, those all got canceled. They didn't. You know, they couldn't do a virtual at the time. So we've really tried to, you know, how do you meet people in mass? And uh, Association of Corporate Growth has been great. I go to virtual networking events probably at least two a week, uh, whether through them. Um, you know, in Texas, for the most part, it's free for me to go to the Dallas ones. If I go out of state, you know, you pay 20, 25 bucks, but 25 bucks to meet 65 people in Boston, Massachusetts is a lot better than the, the flight and hotel. <laughs> um, so I would encourage anyone who's a member of ACG. That's, that's great for us. Uh, I've done the turnaround uh, management association in Austin and secured finance network. Those are just three relevant organizations for me. Uh, but I attend, uh, you know, other cities very frequently, actually the DFW, a person asked me if I wanted to be on a committee and I had said, well, you know, I'm happy to, but I assume when things kind of, you know, get more normalized, you'll want me in Dallas. I don't necessarily want to drive 180 miles for the happy hour on Tuesday. Uh, so they're actually connecting me uh, with the Austin folks. But, you know, I think travel is click the next zoom, which zoom fatigue can get real, but you know, I think any business, if you're not actively prospecting and adjusting, you got to think that your competition has. Um, and if you don't do it, they are. And uh, I think you told me at Coffee that their prospects are your clients. So, yeah, that's that's uh, been my line. You've with got to be out there. That's been my line with law firms, accounting firms, finance firms, banks, credit unions, sort of across the the board. I've, I've created sort of a little two part class for people to have online through Zoom. And what I tell people yeah. is. 
Are you doing a better job than your competition at staying in touch with your contacts and making new contacts in whatever your community is? Your community could be Austin. It could be healthcare. I mean, it could be a virtual, a vertical, but are you doing a better job than your competitors? And they look at me like a deer in the headlight, like, like we have no idea. And then, then my, my reminder is remember your competitors prospect is your client. And usually they're like, oh, when can we have you do this this training program that you have? Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful statement and, and it's true. And what's, um, you know, really unique is I've probably, you know, in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area have, have built a very strong network with some people that I, I may or may not have otherwise uh, through ACG specifically because we ended up in the same, uh, for those of you who haven't done virtual networking, Everyone is lumped together, Brady Bunch style on the main screen. You know, there's 65 people on mute. Then you go to a breakout room with five or six. And I was with the same, I don't know, three people in the same. We, we kept in multiple events, always were in a breakout room. So then, we, you know, we, we got to know each other from there, had a one-on-one -on -one call afterwards. But, uh, you know, this handful of group in, in Dallas, I'm going to be fortunate enough to see them for a socially distanced lunch at the end of the month. But they have introduced me and I've introduced them to probably, you know, 10 plus people each. And we've really just had that huge network effect, effect uh, simply because we realized, hey, I keep seeing uh, Emily or I keep seeing Doug at these things like they're doing something. I want to know what they're doing because I keep seeing them. What are their secrets and kind of, you know, inside uh, baseball, so to speak there. Well, and I mean, that's how you and I met was in one of those breakout sessions through an ECG event yeah, like that. But, exactly. But what I find so fascinating as I talk to people, and you alluded to this a few minutes ago, is how many people seven months in are still saying, yeah, I don't, I don't in fact, I would say most people seven months in are still saying, yeah. I don't know how to network in this virtual environment. It, none of it's any good. It's not working for anybody. I mean, everybody has an excuse and it's like, no, no, you sign up and you go. And I'll be honest, not everyone's a home run. But, you know, if every third yeah. event produces a connection with somebody who I could do business with, either I could refer them or they could refer me or both. Well, that's a, that's a win. So it's, you know, it's different than going to a cocktail party, but you can yeah. make it work. And I'm shocked at how many people are like, I don't know. I don't think this stuff works. And I've, you know, the first time I told my wife, she kind of scrunched up her nose and was like, you're going to do what, you know, type deal. Uh, but and I might be, I might lose all credibility with your audience, but I would argue that the online networking is much more efficient than the in-person networking because it forces me to meet people uh, that I probably want to talk to. Because uh, how many people out there have been like, you're at a good cocktail table, high top table, you're having conversations with four people, and then you just get comfortable, so you don't move. You stay there. The you stay there for the whole like sideways. Yeah, the whole yeah, hour. Right? You're, you're with the same you three know? people and you don't in the in the virtual one, the host is pulling you back you after 12 minutes. You don't have the time. Yeah. yeah, correct. You know, in the real world, you're, you're like, oh, do I want to turn my head sideways? Is that Dan? Is that Dan? I don't know. And you just kind of get, you, you stay put. And then in the virtual, it's like, hey, you got 10 minutes uh, and you're ready to go. And I think, as you said, um, I don't necessarily find... Uh, businesses to, to help uh, from a financial standpoint, but I find contacts that I can either introduce to my contacts or they say, hey, here's a good uh, connection or referral source because a lot of what we do is referral-based and really leverage, you know, uh, one-on-one -on -one meeting leads to four new, four new conversations.
I'm not going to go as far as to say it's totally better in all ways, but for some people and in the <laughs> and in the situation we're in, there are certainly advantages to it. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are saying we'll never return to face to face. I don't believe that. I think that as soon as we can gather, yeah, I don't believe that either. You know, as soon as we, I think people are really hungry for it. And there's some people who that's their forte. They they they're that person who thrives from the energy of people. But I think the world will never be the same, that we'll always have both. And and so all of us need to learn to do that because for a business like yours or for what I do, this is how we get business. We get business through building relationships and reputations in the community. And then somebody said, oh, you're having trouble getting that bank loan. Have you talked to Casey? You know, Dare Capital is your, your, your way to go. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And um, actually, I think... Uh, the Boston chapter of ACG, I talked to the new president. We were in a breakout room and everyone's from like Rhode Island, Connecticut, you know, in the same Northeast pocket. I was like, Austin, Texas. And he was like, what? And then he asked me, he he sent me a note because he would, they're trying to say, figure out, do they go in person? Do they have hybrid model? And I was like, I'm all for the hybrid model. Um, Cause I was looking at Denver's website the other day and they were back to in person and I can't, I can't moonlight in the Denver group right now because <laughs> they're uh, doing a rooftop uh, meeting. So I like the, uh, the hybrid model. If well, can. and, and what I find, you know, super interesting about it is, is I'm part of what I do for a living is I'm a professional speaker. And so I speak at corporations and companies, but chapters of networking groups can't afford to fly in a speaker. So they tend to either use local CEOs or whatever. All of a sudden, all these different groups around the country who are like business networking associations, you know, they are asking, hey, can you speak? And and they might have like five hundred dollars. Well, I can't fly to Denver to speak for five hundred dollars. I'm gone for two days to do that. But, you know, a Tuesday at four o'clock, if you want me to speak to your group in Topeka, I can be there by Zoom, and, and that just allows me as a speaker to get in front of a lot more people. So th- there there are trade-offs in this game that I think are really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so I've got a couple more questions for you before we wrap this up. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in their industry like Casey Conlon. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Casey, I call this show Making Waves at Sea Level. So why is access to capital important for companies who want to make waves and change the world? Um, you know, it's it's capital, especially working capital, is going to be the gasoline that, you know, fuels your fuels your growth, right? So if you do not have uh, the resources from a cash standpoint to hit your targets, you know, complete that next project, invest in your business. Uh, it makes it very difficult to, uh, you know, grow, grow your business and, and take it to the next level. So if someone's listening and they're like, yeah, I need to know more. Who's the ideal customer? Who's the ideal client for Dare Capital? 
<laughs> ideal client would be uh, a small business owner, like I said, under $50 million. Um, that's kind of our end user that is looking to grow, you know, struggling from a working capital perspective. For me, you know, anyone that, as you said, I think said it best earlier, hey, I've, I've been struggling, struggling looking for financing. Oh, talk to Casey. That is, you know, someone we're willing to have a conversation with, you know, every day of the week. So um, even if we can't help you, uh, our, our uh, co-founder, Cole Harmonson, has been in Austin doing this for close to 30 years. We probably know someone, we know, we know someone who can do it. We probably know the best someone that can help. So, so that's how we try to try to play it forward. So I, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I used to know Cole pretty well. And he is a really nice guy, too. And I shouldn't have said that because the odds are because you work with <laughs> him. He's going to listen to the podcast to make sure you didn't say anything stupid. So Cole's now listening and I comp- <laughs> and I complimented him. And so, I know you complimented Cole and you said you hated me at the beginning. So yeah, I got to figure out that, you know, that is how true. you're on the good side here. Yeah, well, Cole's. Cole's much older than you are. I don't think he's running any triathlon. <laughs> so uh, he's more of a he's a yogi these days, not the triathlete. Yeah, actually, you know, I've become very like outdoor outdoorsy and and sitting in nature and meditating. And I, I noticed from Cole's social media that he and I probably should talk because uh, he could probably show me the cool outdoor places to get in touch with the world. There you go. I know he uh, he's got a green belt fairly close to his house, so he's uh, he's usually out there. But yeah, I'm out. Reach on, out or I'm out on the green belt two and three times a week, so I, I got to look for. Cole. So, <laughs> all right. So, Casey, if someone's listening to this and they want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? Uh, sure. Mine. I'm on LinkedIn. Casey C A S E Y Conlon C O N L O N, or you can always email me. My email is kccasey at dare, D-A-R-E, biz, B-I-Z, capital.com. Uh, the LinkedIn, I'm on there. Uh, you talked about networking during the pandemic. I do uh, meet a lot of folks on there, reach out. So I'm always open to a conversation. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the recent weeks. Uh, like I said, uh, you're one of the people who's doing it right. And I'm actually using you as an example now when I'm talking to Thank you, uh, Tom. to other professional services firms. So uh, I think I should have shirts printed to say, be like Casey. Because uh, that's, that's, <laughs> pe- that's what people should be doing in this pandemic if you, if you, if you don't want to get bowled over. Because here's the thing. Someday the pandemic is going to end and the people who are under a rock are going to be the ones who are like, how come I have no business? And the people like you are going to be the people who are crushing it. So, hey, thanks Appreciate for, that. thanks for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I even do this? Uh, we have a lot of fun, but here's the, the what I need from you. Yes, like every podcaster, I'm going to say, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Yes, that matters. Leave a five-star ranking. Yes, that matters. But more importantly, go tell a friend. Put it on your social media. Hey, here's a podcast that sucks less than other podcasts. Just let your friends know uh, that you listen. Because when I meet someone who listens to the show and I say, how did you find the show? The answer is always... My boss told me, my friend told me, somebody referred the show. So go out there on social media or just go in person and and ask and tell a friend about the podcast. I'll wait. You could do that right now. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that. Hey, seriously, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Casey. And you're thinking, how is that possible? But it's true. We'll figure it out. But in the meantime, go out there, make some waves in your industry. Flex your entrepreneurial muscles. And while you're at it, have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. 
Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.